The funny thing is, interoperability is actually pretty far along right now, but only for a select group of organizations. And consumers are not part of that group. Um, today, we have access to over 300 million people's medical records through one API. Um, the way the API works is you put in someone's name, date of birth, address, phone number, gender, just some basic demographics. That's it. That's all we need. And we can go find all your medical records across almost every EHR and HIE in the United States. Um, we have about a 90% success rate in finding people's records, and we are finding 95 records per patient per search. Welcome to Startup Health Now, the podcast where we celebrate the entrepreneurs and innovators reimagining the future of health. I'm your host, Logan Plaster. A 2021 report in Bloomberg Law stated that though health IT pros and federal regulators dream of a healthcare system in which the flow of information happens seamlessly through a simple mouse click, at least 70% of healthcare providers still exchange medical information by fax machine. In the world of health innovation, we know what can be unlocked when patient data can move safely and quickly from point A to point B. We've seen it. We know it partially because we saw it in the world of personal finance. Interoperable financial data empowered normal people to take charge of their finances, sending and receiving money, investing with a click of a button. It also empowered a new generation of apps like Venmo and Robinhood. This week, in this podcast, we bring you a conversation with Troy Bannister, CEO and co-founder of Particle Health, a startup health company that's working to bring to healthcare the same level of data interoperability that we've experienced in personal finance. Their API framework is a foundation for healthcare innovators to build upon. So really, we're just at the very beginning of seeing what's possible with this technology. Troy explains what they've built and what's coming next in health data interoperability in this conversation with Katya Hancock, partner at Startup Health. The chat was had in front of a live audience at a Startup Health Festival in Miami in March. Enjoy. So, Troy, it's great to be with you, as always. Thank you. Um, and why don't you introduce yourself? Um, just give a quick overview of Particle, and we'll, we'll dig more into it, but yeah. set the stage here. Uh, the quick background is I've been in healthcare for some reason my whole life. Uh, when I was 18, I became an EMT. I ended up going to medical school. Uh, I got into clinical research, and then I was working at Startup Health. And that whole career kind of crystallized this huge problem in healthcare that I saw at every step of that journey but really crystallized when I was actually at Startup Health, which was all these people need access to data and, and patient information, whether you're in the ambulance, in the hospital, but really acutely if you're building a technology company, uh, you're managing diabetics, you're managing cancer patients, and you have no idea what meds they're on, you have no idea who their doctors are, you have no idea when the last time they went and saw a doctor was. And having access to that information allows you to care for large populations of complex patients way better. Um, and so, I looked at other industries and I saw companies like Plaid and Stripe and Twilio, and they were solving fragmentation, security, data standardization. And I thought, why doesn't this exist in healthcare? Um, so I left Startup Health and I started Particle Health, and that has been a long journey, and, and now here we are today. That's awesome. And so Troy was a member of our ventures team for three years, so he got to really review hundreds you know, maybe over a thousand companies. Over a thousand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in his time there. So that's a really great foundation of, of knowledge of just the upcoming innovation and also the struggles they were facing in terms of, of 
accessing data and being able to make an impact with their businesses. Totally. I saw multiple companies integrating with the same hospital at the same time, and I was blown away. It's how, how is there not a simpler way to do it? So I just saw it very, very clearly. And as consumers, break it down for the audience because you know, we have an expectation um, and a reality in other parts of our life um, in terms of, of banking or retail. Our data belongs to us, right? That's your data. Obviously, you should have all your data. Yeah. And you should be able to access it and do what you want with it. And that's clearly not the case in healthcare. So just break it down from the kind of end user standpoint, what yeah. the implications are of particle. So the P in HIPAA, stands for portability, not privacy. Everyone thinks it stands for privacy. And the idea of HIPAA was to give these clear swim lanes for exchange of information. Um, the government basically said, here are places that data should flow easily and have no real friction. But it's been kind of warped, and it's used uh, kind of counter to the original intent. <clears throat> and so um, today, if you download an application, um, good luck getting your healthcare data into that application. Um, we all know when we show up at a new doctor, we have to fill out a new form every single time. Mm -hmm. And these are kind of soft problems. Like, it's annoying to have to fill these forms out, but it's not the end of the world. Where it really starts to matter is when there's operational things happening behind the scenes where providers, payers, pharmaceutical companies can't actually make good decisions because they don't have access to it. And it ends up costing people health outcomes or more money or a longer wait. Um, and so those things that we don't see behind the scenes are the really costly ones. So the consumer sees some of this, but the, I think the really important stuff is actually outside of our purview on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. I mean, I can think myself of doctors that I've been to along the years. It feels to me like that information is just lost. It's just kind of out there. So how would Particle solve that problem if I'm going to a new, new doctor or even a new telemedicine through a new company. Yeah, so I, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, we've seen the word interoperability thrown around a lot over the last couple days. It's on every exhibit, you know, uh, booth. What does interoperability really actually mean? And I don't think any two people would agree with the definition of it. Um, the way we think about it is, is that information accessible to the people that need it at the right time? That's the big kind of definition on our end. The funny thing is, interoperability is actually pretty far along right now, but only for a select group of organizations. And consumers are not part of that group. Um, today, we have access to over 300 million people's medical records through one API. Um, the way the API works is you put in someone's name, date of birth, address, phone number, gender, just some basic demographics. That's it. That's all we need. And we can go find all your medical records across almost every EHR and HIE in the United States. Um, we have about a 90% success rate in finding people's records, and we are finding 95 records per patient per search. So we're, f we're actually pretty far along. Um, we work with providers that are using this information to close gaps of care, to do population health, to look at risk across different segments of populations and actually try to figure out how to keep people from deteriorating um, into the ER and keep them healthy and at home. So it's actually pretty far. Where it's stuck right now, and we can get into this later, is who actually has the ability to access this information. Today, it's just providers. Um, if you send a request through our API and you say, I'm a provider, you get response back 100% of the time. If you send a request through our API and you say, I'm Troy, I want my own record, you get zero responses. That's the only difference, is we say pr provider or individual. 
nothing else changes. It's just the responding organizations say, no, we're not sending this back to a consumer. And so this is where we get stuck with HIPAA because, and some of these new rules as well, like anti-information blocking, where legally they have to respond to you. It's your data, you have the right to access it. Um, but today we're still stuck in this world. So, and touch on that a little bit because that anti-information blocking was part of the CARES Act. Yes. It was pretty recent legislation, which is great. It's yeah. actually kind of shocking there needed to be legislation about this, but um, can you explain what that was? So anti-information blocking is part of the 21st Century Cures Act, which was Obama's last act out of office. And there's a whole lot that goes into the 21st Century Cures Act, but the information blocking piece was a really interesting one for all of us because it was essentially saying you as the consumer have the right to access your own information in a technically feasible way of your choosing. No one likes portals, no one likes fax machines, but that's how it's done today. And so the government is essentially saying it's not, it's not up to the hospitals to decide how you should be getting your data and your information. It's up to you how you want it. And so info blocking is really built around the API kind of functionality. That's a big part of it because that's what people use in technology today. In the same way that Plaid in the financial space had an API for financial data, um, the US government is attempting to kind of create regu uh, uh, regulation to create APIs in the healthcare space. And so that's where we fit in um, very well into that, that kind of realm. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to talk also about you know, the implications of what you're doing. So for, an, for the average consumer, but also there's so much opportunity for you to make an impact um, by make, you know, you can't, for example, improve health equity without understanding, um, you know, the data in terms of social determinants of health and so many other different factors. So with, without all the information, there's no way to, to make a change. So first of all, can you let us, let us know in your perfect, you know, world, five years from now, what can the process look like for consumers as yeah. a result of Particle? I think there's two major themes that we're really focused on. One is kind of what you're talking about, which is there's a lot of people in the United States that don't have equal access mm -hmm. to healthcare. And a good example of that is if you live in a rural area and you are you know, maybe in Medicare or Medicaid, um, you're, you can access your information through portals, but oftentimes you don't have a way to do that. Um, Instead, there could be an easier way where you can just have your information arrive wherever you go. And that can create a big difference in the way that your healthcare is interpreted by the healthcare system. Showing up at a new doctor and not having the ability to transport that information is a, is a blocker for a lot of sick people. So it opens up these, these big opportunities for folks that don't have the ability to easily go get their records or don't have the means to log into portals or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The other side, which is, pretty fascinating to think about, but it's a big black box, is what could be built in the future if this really is you know, working at scale. And I always think about Plaid. Plaid's the analogy I always come back to, but back in the day, Bank of America had a way to send money from your bank to your friend's bank, but nobody used it, because the bank built it for the banks, not for the consumers. Mm -hmm. And when Plaid popped up, um, this group of people said, let's create a way to send money from your bank account to your friend's bank account but build it for consumers. And now we all use Venmo like every single day. And so the, the kind of concept there that I always think about is what happens if all these new entrepreneurs coming into healthcare from other industries start building things for consumers? They don't have to work with hospitals anymore and do integrations. They don't have to work with payers anymore and do integrations. They can just build whatever they want without talking to any of these groups. 
or without being beholden to their needs or wants, just focusing on the consumer. And that's what happened in the financial space with things like Robinhood and Mint. And we think that's going to happen in healthcare too. We're already having organizations build things on top of Particle. And historically, they'd have to go partner with hospitals and payers. Now they don't. So they can just build things exactly for the consumer, exactly how the consumer wants. And that's, that's I think, going to be a really interesting development over the next five or 10 years. And another opportunity, I think, that, that you all can un unlock is just opening up um, opportunities for smaller companies to be healthcare providers and, and maybe disrupt some of the in incumbents and bring totally. prices down, which is also great for health equity. 100%, yeah. Um, if you don't have to have some crazy contract with the hospital and you can focus on the consumer market, it's a fraction of the cost. Right, imagine being a new telemedicine provider and you would have access to you know, a new customer that you've never met before and you can easily get all their health records. In minutes. Right, I love that. Um, so yeah, it's so exciting what you're, what you're doing and you know, I, I just truly love watching you grow and you're a first time entrepreneur, which I think is incredible, um, but you have a great kind of varied background, but what do you think has kind of helped you the most in being a first time entrepreneur and what lesson would you give um, for a new entrepreneur? Um, I think exposure. Mm -hmm. Exposure is super important. Um, I came up through the healthcare system and had a variety of different roles, so I saw the friction points in healthcare acutely many, many times, and I actually understood what those problems were and what they look like and the cost of those issues. The other piece was I worked at Startup Health for three years, and I saw some amazing entrepreneurs grow their business over my time there, um, and I learned a ton of lessons from that. Uh, I learned what equity was. I learned what an S-corp and a C-corp was. Uh, I, I, I learned all the you know, mechanics behind starting a business. And then I also learned about how to sell to hospitals, how to sell to software vendors, how to sell to payers. And I saw the you know, points where you can easily get tripped up in those different sales cycles. And I, I learned about it all. Um, I had never done it before, but I had seen it many times. And so I think that gave me a leg up mm -hmm. on, on this whole thing. Um, I think the other big lesson that I took away from a lot of the entrepreneurs I was working with was just this kind of notion of never giving up. That like you just wake up and you do the next day and you'll get through the hard stuff. And that is super, super true. Mm -hmm. um, I just read the hard thing about hard things. Yeah. And, and there's this kind of concept of like you have these three, most, most startups have these three points where they think they're absolutely done. Mm -hmm. Like it's over. And yeah. I think we've probably gone through two of those. So there's probably one more on its way. <laughs> but um, I kind of learned these lessons just by being around a lot of awesome entrepreneurs for many years. Right. So, and you've, you've gotten to already a, a great point and you're really in, in this growth mode. And for context, um, Troy's Series A was led by Menlo Ventures and other blue chip investors, which is just an awesome testament to what you've built. What have been some of the biggest challenges that you've, that you've come up against? I mean, this is a really complicated product. Um, we're dealing with new regulations. We have integrations to over, I think, 60,000 different endpoints in the United States. We've had to build an entire infrastructure behind the API that searches for records and downloads data. We had to convert all the different standards that are floating around the networks in CCDA and XML to one standard, Fire R4, or else our customers just couldn't really get use out of it. Um, 
and that's hard. And then the other thing that's really difficult is we sell to like everyone. Right. <laughs> like everybody in healthcare wants access to this data, which is awesome from like a total adjustable market standpoint, but it's very difficult from understanding where to focus our time and what value props we actually support very well and how to qualify those different uh, opportunities. So we're constantly learning about you know, the provider space, risk-based contracts, value-based care, risk adjustment, the payer space, claims adjudication, underwriting, the pharma space, trial recruitment, real-world evidence, and then the consumer space, which is a big black box that's like, what's go who's gonna build the next big thing and what will that look like? So it's, uh, it's constantly uh, challenging to be approaching new prospects and new potential partners and having to learn about their entire business from the top down in order to, to work with them effectively. Right. I mean, it's really nice to be able to use the analog analogy of Plaid because Venmo, people understand it, yeah. but I'm sure it was no small feat what Plaid did, but they had at least standardized types of data. Right. Right. It was money. Yeah. And financial data is simple. Was, right. We're dealing, I mean, we just did a, a batch run for 8,000 patients on a, with a customer last week, and we found over 2 million medical records on 8,000 people. And you know, it's 25 gigabytes of data. <clears throat> and from there, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to derive some kind of value. You have to figure out which of these patients are, you know, out of their A1C range and need an appointment with a nephrologist or a dialysis event. Um, and so like getting that value out of that, a lot, that vast amount of data is where we're really focused right now. That's the hard part. I think access to data will be commoditized in the next year or two. These new regulations are forcing it open. So that's step one. Step two is, okay, now that you have access to everybody's entire medical record, how do you actually get value out of that mm -hmm. quickly and effectively without having to build a whole team to do analytics and parse and do all these things? So that's the hard part, is getting the value out. So that's sort of the, the future roadmap for particles. Yeah, I mean, it's, on that. we have some things ready for that right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Troy. Thank you. The time flew by as it I did. knew it would. And we'll... Just keep up what you're doing. Awesome. We're excited. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. Startup Health invests in health transformers from around the world who are committed to achieving audacious health moonshots. If you want to learn how you can join this community of entrepreneurs, or if you want to connect with one of our 380 companies, go to startuphealth.com. If you'd like to learn how you can invest in our Health Moonshot Impact Fund in collaboration with AngelList, go to healthmoonshots.com. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. We'll be back next week.